All right, howlers, let's get howling. But first, a couple quick warnings. First warning, this podcast contains adult content. Don't be a pixie. Second warning, this podcast contains spoilers for the entire Red Rising saga through the end of Dark Age. That's right. There are no Lightbringer spoilers in this episode. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Etsy. Email us, howlerpod at gmail.com. Visit us at howlerpod.com and rate and review us five stars only. If you don't give us five stars only, then we won't say hi to you at HowlerCon. You can't sit with us. That sounds so mean, girl. (laughs) And now, HowlerPod. Welcome to Howler Pod, your podcast for all things Red Rising, where every episode we dive deep to break down, celebrate, and discuss all aspects of the fantastic Red Rising saga by Howler number one, Pierce Brown. Ow, ow! I am your host, Ben Reinert. I am joined today, as always, by the amazing Aaron Harris. Hello, Howlers. All right, so Howlers, we had a plan for today, and then something better came along. Oh, what is it? This is a tease. A tease for what? I'll let you tell him. Okay. Well, our best friend and uh, godfather of our unborn children, probably, Pierce Brown. Have you heard of him? He sat down with us to chat about a little bit about Lightbringer and a lot of bit about random shit (laughs) that we wanted to hear about. (laughs) So, yeah, we have a surprise Pierce Brown interview for you. Get ready. Buckle up your star shell. (laughs) And don't shit your suit. Or, you know, if you shit your suit, we we accept you either way. We accept all types of howlers here. We shit our suits prior to the interview. All day. (laughs) (laughs) I sat in my shit all day. (laughs) That's lovely. All right. Enjoy. All right, howlers. Today, we are joined by a very special guest, Howlers, please welcome to the Howler Pod stage, Pierce motherfucking Brown. Hi, Pierce. Wait, can I, can I clap for myself? Is that allowed? Yes. You, you absolutely can. can. We'll clap yeah, we'll yeah, for yeah. you as well. Yeah, well thank, you. thank you. I'm just assuming I'm getting a happy introduction. You guys haven't read Lightbringer yet, so there can't be any hate. Uh-oh. Aaron may still be mad at you about Dark Age. So. I had a, a tougher time than some. Uh, I'm more of an emotional reader <laughs> so you don't have to indict other people they might be emotional too <laughs> yeah yeah you're and a more sensitive time, reader ah yes a lot fair of, enough um dark age is a hard book fair enough but i i do feel like with dark age you um toughened me up in terms of what i can <laughs> take emotionally <laughs> well you know there's this old thing uh i heard from a, a writer or was it a director? I think it might have been a director a while back. He said um, Hollywood criminally underestimates its audience, and so that's why we also can get dumbed down fair. And I think it's why you've seen the success of people like you know, Christopher Nolan, Denis Villeneuve, um, just to name a few. And it's uh, not just expecting their audience to keep up with the story, but to have like great taste. And so mm-hmm. for, for sure. Dark Age, in my my way of stretching that, 
is uh, expecting my audience to not, uh, how do I say, don't underestimate my audience's ability to endure. Because the yeah. exhaustion endure, that is Dark love. Age is entirely intentional. <laughs> there might be things you don't like about the book in general. That's fine. I'm not saying like I'm a wizard here and that everything has a purpose. But like that feeling that you felt reading it, that anxiety, that, oh my God, when can they get a win? Why are the bad guys? Not another enemy. Oh my God. I think God. we've said those exact things. Why before. are there so many enemies and why do their names all start with A? I get it. I get it. One, I'm trying to exhaust you and make sure you're keeping track of all the A's. Uh, nah, that one, that one's hilarious to me. I don't even know why that happened. It's just like all the A's have the cool. Oh yeah, look at it. Adrius, Atlantia, Ajax, Apollonius. Apollonius. There's, there's I was gonna more. say one by one. They're all like extremely cool names. They are. They're really cool names. Ajax is a great <laughs> name. Apollonius, great name. Atlantia, great name. <laughs> Um, yeah. So anyway, point being, Dark Age is meant to, 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 to really test your endurance. And I knew I'd, I knew I'd get pissed some people off that way. I knew some people would be exhausted <laughs> by it. But even though these books are really separated by time, I'm a tonal creature. Like, it's not saying I'm not, you guys know I don't outline too much, but I know the beats. I know the emotional arc I want to take the reader on. I know the roller coaster I built. And mm -hmm. so, I think it really pays off with Lightbringer. And because okay. it's Ooh. the problem is, I asked you guys to have so much damn patience because it's four years, <laughs> mostly because I was going through existential crises, three of them. Um, but the point being is that now you're on the other side. <laughs> I, I try to think of it as a completed whole and um, how right. the overall ride will feel. And so I, in Lightbringer, I got to write scenes that I've been planning to write. Because I, I know certain scenes and then I structure mm -hmm. the plot to make that stuff happen. And usually those, Almost never do those scenes change. Those things always manifest. And I got to write a lot of those scenes in Lightbringer. And then I'm writing Red God right now, and I got to write a scene I've been trying, I've been planning for seven years. And it was so satisfying to write. What's it uh, about? <laughs> That's incredibly exciting. I, I, you know, I, I, I literally can't tell you anything, even in code, yeah. of what it's about. It's good. But it's it's really this whole thing is designed to be like consumed as a whole series. And that's right. also why it's so frustrating to read in parts, but also perhaps addictive. You know, I have a right. friend. Who well, I is, think... I'm sorry, I'm just blabbing here, but I have a friend. No, you're good. I have a friend who was uh, reading the series and he blitzed through the books in two weeks to catch up. We just became friends and then he blitzed through it because he has such similar taste. In two weeks, he caught up and he's like, what the fuck? <laughs> you know, <'cause> <laughs> He's a dark age, and then it, I gave him like an, uh, one of my copies of uh, one of my arcs of Lightbringer, and he's just like he doesn't want to hang out with me in person anymore because he wants to go home and read. And so like oh, he yes. left my house last night. I'm like, stay longer, and he's like, I gotta go home. And I'm like, what do you have better to do? And he said, read your book. And I'm like, <laughs> that's a pretty good excuse. But <laughs> but he's getting that tough. experience without the frustration you loyal OGs have. So <laughs> all that is a long winded. We, we reread it enough. Thank you. Sure. When you reread it enough, like we just reread Dark Age, so it doesn't feel like a super right. long way, you know. Oh, good. Well, I, now I'm glad you say that, in. but I feel like it does. Because <laughs> I started writing books in the interim between Feast for Crows and Dance of Dragons. I mean, if George I was R. Martin, say, was I'm still up, waiting on on when. So, oh yeah, I don't think I'd be a writer if George R. R. Martin put out books as fast as Brandon <laughs> Sanderson did. <laughs> I wouldn't be a writer. Bad time. No, yeah. I wouldn't be. I'd be like, I'm satisfied, you know. 
Yeah. <laughs> nice. You I was going to say, it's it's got to be tough to be your friend and be a fan of the series because you'd always like want something from you. Like you'd always want to know the secrets of the next books. <laughs> to a degree, yeah. I'd say, here's the thing. I feel like writing books is a bit different than a lot of other art forms because a lot of the other art forms are way about the performer, about the you know the, the musician or and, and the musicians have the curse of if they get hit song they had to sing that shit for forty years. Yeah. Um, and actors, there's this weird cult of personality that kind of is creepy. It often <laughs> happens because they didn't come up with the material. They didn't shoot the material. They didn't edit the material. All they did was inhabit this character, which is, you know, great skill. But, you know, it's pretty divorced from the final product, their participation. And so it's this weird representation. So it creates this cult of personality to the books. It's more so I create something, put it out there. I build a fort in the woods and I say, come play in the fort with me. <laughs> yeah. So... I'm super fucking happy when people like my fort, you know? Yeah. yeah. I want to talk about the fort too, you know? <laughs> and I feel like we're not talking about me. Sure, some part of myself like digs it, like likes it, and it's like uh, I'll always love it because I've made it. But also the biggest part of me is just a kid who's happy the fort is built, you know? And like yeah. so happy other people get fun, have fun in it. And the more people that believe in the fort, the more the fort is real, you know? It's a I big fort. <laughs> big fort. It's getting much bigger, yes. Yeah. That actually segues perfectly into our first question. We wanted to ask you kind of like, we know this has been kind of a long writing process. You had to throw out chunks of writing at yeah. certain points. Um, at the same time, you're dealing with like increased fan interest. So there's more attention on the series. It's kind of growing. That anticipation for the next book is growing. So what's it like for you when you're dealing with that throughout the writing process? I mean, way easier now because I just don't care because uh, it has nothing to do. No, it has nothing to do with the writing process. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If I let it have something to do with the writing process, oh, it'll fuck you up. <laughs> I mean, imagine trying to imagine, you know, imagine um, any sculptor chiseling away with a peanut gallery back there, just like, you know, shouting critiques. Like, imagine Sistine Chapel being painted <laughs> and all the people beneath it are being like, man, do you really think that's the right choice? I'm like, oh, clearly you don't have a great handle for physics. Um, because a man's body could never bend that way. You know, it's like. <laughs> Who are these people? We need to talk you. to them. Uh, you know, <laughs> and, and so the, the thing is, a lot of this stuff only exists if I go out looking for it. So if I feel mm -hmm. insecure and I feel the need for validation and go on Reddit or get on my Twitter or like, you know, go through my DMs. Some of that's about connecting with the fans. Other stuff is about inane validation. It's about like me being like, ooh, I feel sad, so I need to like have some people see the series, and then, then I have to like suffer their critiques or say Pierce doesn't understand physics. I'm like, no, I just don't care. Um, yeah. All that stuff exists out there. I can eat as many shit sandwiches that I want if I just go into the internet and probably see whole subreddits de like dedicated to like hating on me. All that stuff exists for every author. Point yeah. is, you just can't let it touch you because it's not part of the creative process that created the book. The book was created with me not even, even knowing anyone but two friends, two friends or three friends was going to read it. That was Red Rising. And so I really tried to go back into that. I would say mm -hmm. over writing Lightbringer, I was really worried about pleasing fans. I was really worried about um, expectations. I was really worried about letting people down and cheapening the experience of the first books by giving an inferior product 
that changed stories and demeaned the importance of the character evolutions in the first and the actions, you know, certain moments like just one out of the blue, Luke throwing his, his lightsaber over his shoulder. You're just like, what mm -hmm. the hell? There was there was <laughs> childhood, right? And so it's like, I was really worried about those moments, and um, that that really held up Lightbringer for quite a while. And I was writing that space for a long time, and then I had an epiphany of like, it doesn't really matter if fans are pleased, because I think that when I read. I think I know what I want, but I really want the storyteller who's going to give me something I didn't know I wanted. Mm. Does that make sense? Oh, definitely. Right? I mean, I felt that during Dark Age. Like, we, our podcast speculates, you know, like we read Iron Gold and we're speculating, like, where it's going. <laughs> we, and then we guessed who would die in Dark Age. <laughs> and then we Did got Dark right? Age. We got like, we guessed we like guess one enough. person a piece and it was very cute. And then like 80 people died. <laughs> 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 well, I can't like pitch war and then not have anyone die. Right. I'm like, yeah. these people are also dangerous, these munitions. Like, what? You didn't see Serafina dying like that? Come on, guys. <laughs> but no, like, yeah. that was the best part about it. It was like, this is not what I was expecting, but it's fucking incredible anyway. So, yeah. Well, it's because there's a whole book made out of the hat. You know, the hat being yeah. Pax, how Pax died in the first I, one. I heard you lost the hat. I did. <laughs> or like someone stole it. I don't know. It's in all fairness. Probably well, great. It's probably good. And... You know that fungal <laughs> that fungal infection really cleared up when the hat went yeah, missing. Yeah, are they related? Uh, yeah. So it's like the more I know about fan theories and stuff like that, the more it can inform and affect and make me doubt myself. I function best in ignorance, kind of like Darrow going down a fucking tunnel. Boom. Yeah. You know, and I use the word "fuck" because it has to be kind of like disrespectful. Kelsey Grammer when he was doing Frasier, which is one of my favorite shows of all time. Did you guys like Frasier? I, I wasn't a fan. Ah, I was, ah, yeah. I was ah. more Seinfeld. Okay. Give Frasier a try. Give it a few episodes for me. Give it a few <laughs> episodes for me and imagine me at like 16 trying to drink sherry to be sophisticated, okay? <laughs> um, I love Frasier, but Frasier was the longest running um, live action character on TV. And Kelsey Grammer, you know, maybe as an excuse or maybe because he's a genius artist, which I think he is, um, but I'm not saying this is why he came up with this thing. He came up with an acting method called requisite disrespect. And in order for him to not get crazy bored and create like a very staid character where he was just phoning in his actions, uh, created requisite disrespect, which meant he would not rehearse a scene as they commonly do in sitcoms days or you know even a week before. He would instead come in, read the lines before the tape, do one run through, and then do it. Because he thought that the nervous like energy that he elicited in the yeah. other actors created this amazing anxiety before a live audience. And the other I'm actors sure, were terrified. I'm sure they loved it. Oh, no, no, oh. no. Yeah, but he's getting paid a million an episode. So, you know, he can do what he wants, right? Right. He's also, you know, coked out flipping Ferraris. So that could have just been an excuse. But the point being, I feel as though if you're so sacred about it, which is what I was during the Lightbringer time, and it really kind of messed me up and hard to writing. And I feel mm -hmm. as though that can really get in the way of the, the natural grace that can come with like sheer idiocy and excitement, you know? And mm. so I'm embracing sheer idiocy and excitement right now in a uh, red God and about a hundred pages in writing from scratch. And it's really fun. 
Nice. That's awesome. I'm long-winded <laughs> so today. I'm long-winded today, but I'm excited. Hey, you have earned our trust. So, like, wherever you want to take us. Thank you. <laughs> you know what surprises me the most is when people are like, oh, the clone. Horrible cliche. And I'm like, like trust me, guys. It's not going to be what you think. It's going to be weird. Yeah. It's going to be weird, right. and it's going to invert your expectations. Trust. We were literally just talking about that. So, oh, yeah, man. That's awesome. Yeah, jump the shark, please. <laughs> he is the shark. Uh, I didn't know for... what that means, to be honest. So, <laughs> yeah. see what I mean about embracing We're idiocy, nodding, guys. Yeah. See what I mean about this? We're here for it. I had a great day riding, so I'm just you know full of shit. <laughs> I love it. Uh, we've been speculating that Enlightbringer will be kind of coming out of some of the darkness that was Dark Age because of the title. We may oh, be hoping weird. and praying for that as well. I don't know. What but, a weird um, supposition that is. <laughs> <laughs> how do you like when you're writing? Do you how do you balance hope versus darkness in your writing, and what role, if any, does hope play? Unfortunately, I'm not intelligent enough to do it without feeling it. So I really got to go there emotion. I'm like they talk. They make fun of method actors. I'm kind of a method writer. <laughs> I got to go through a crisis to like write the stuff. So we need to send you gifts so you're happy. <laughs> Honestly, my friends think it's ridiculous. They're like, my friends are really supportive. And they're like, dude, you're talented enough to just like phone it in, then fix it. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know about that. But like, <laughs> I'll meet another writer who may be younger than me or, you know, whatever. And he'll he'll have a very kind of healthy aspect on, on it. And my other friend who's known me for years will just be like looking at me. This other route would be like it's you know really the breaks um that make my writing fresh and i realize if i'm sitting there 12 Meditation. hours a day i'm not getting it done and you know i only write during the week and i'm like i'm just staring at him and i'm like maybe you're not talented <laughs> <laughs> you don't have the passion <laughs> yeah i know and I, and I was like i didn't mean that but i was like kind of angry at him how dare you think that you know how dare you <laughs> Cause like I try to I'm like, act, yeah. Cause I try to, act, <laughs> I try to act like I'm a cool wizard of Oz, but the thing, but it fucking, it's exhausting. Well, then you know the Howlers read your book all night. We stay up till four a.m. I bet his readers aren't as passionate. They're reading either. it nine to five. Yes, they're only clocking in so, during the day. You know, I feel as audience. though I feel as though you know you can tell the writers they get gray hair over their projects, and you can tell the writers who are going to bed at nine. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I, yeah you can definitely tell i'm not gonna say any of them but i bet you know <laughs> and i'm not okay. saying i'm better than them i'm just saying my stuff is like a little bit more just angst driven yeah. than theirs yeah we love that we all yeah. have emotional issues <laughs> oh uh, i would love to be a, i'd love to be a cool cucumber you know right from a move be like you know four hours a day like stephen king did it just doesn't work like that smoke a cigar I'm, you know you've seen that mad max movie that's how I write. Yes. I'm like one yes. of those guys strapped to the front saying, witness me. With the mask. <laughs> yeah, that's how I write. It's a great movie. That is incredible. I wish I was exaggerating. <laughs> so uh, we are huge Mustang fans, me especially. Mm. Um, in your most recent interviews, we've heard a lot about Darrow and Lysander and their journey in Lightbringer, but we wanted to focus about Mustang's journey. And um, without spoiling Lightbringer, what can you tell us about where she's at? You know, at the end of Dark Age, she's flying over Mars um, and and where her trajectory is going. Well, I can't without tell you where her trajectory is going. Um, and I can't tell you where she's at. But I will say what she's grappling <laughs> okay. with. Sure. Um, That's Mustang Central 
the shearing forces on Mustang's heart are comprised of her trying to unite Mars to be the last hope of resistance by putting fuel onto the fire of something she fears, which is the religion of her husband, who she knows is a mortal man. So while Mars calls out for its savior in the Reaper, all she misses is the man. And that pulls her in so many directions because she inherently fears and knows, well, she fears religion because she respects how dangerous it is. Mm-hmm. She fears it also because many times of the course of her relationship with her husband, he's made some bad mistakes. Uh, yeah. A lot of that has Wolfgang. to do with his hubris because he can be quite effective at engendering enthusiasm, let's just say. <laughs> yes. Yeah, right. This guy's lighting wildfires in the Hollywood Hills, you know? <laughs> and um, <laughs> Virginia's sitting there with, like, you know, the lone extinguisher. Like, yeah, the lone extinguisher. <laughs> and she's like, do you know how exhausting it is going around putting all those fires? So, like, yes. but that's also why they're, they're, they're interesting, you know, studying opposites. And so I think I think it's really that that um, complicated relationship she has in knowing the usefulness of the Reaper, but being in love with Darrow, but being cautious of both. And yeah, how does she balance that? How does she be strong? How does she also not try to fall into the trap of trying to be Darrow in his absence? Mm. How does she do things differently? So she has a, well, not the lion's share, no pun intended. Yes. Uh, <laughs> chapters in the book, she has a very strong showing that I'm very pleased with. Ooh, I am very happy to hear that. The book does mostly center around the duality between Lysander and Darrow and a mirrored physical, thematic, and emotional journey that they have. But uh, Virginia does have quite a section, I think. Mm, that's exciting i got chills on that first part that was great it's um, like you know in the first book with iron gold i tried to give equal time to every character and then yeah i got liberated in dark age by following what i wanted to follow the story and then a Lightbringer, i was liberated further by bringing it back to the roots which is darrow one of the reasons i'm tim gerard reynolds redoing the uh the narration um yes, i think the the fans are universally excited about that. <laughs> yes. Uh, you say that now, that but one. you know, if, if yeah, if I have my DMs, I'm just gonna have people whining about how much they love Delirium narrator from Iron Gold. Yeah. And like, that's not what I heard. <laughs> <laughs> you know. So I did not, it, I did it I'm because not too critical, but I did it because thematically it makes sense. And you yeah. know, people voice their their love of TGR, and I think he, there's a, such a cult around that. So I'm like, let's bring it back to the nostalgia. Yeah, let's bring it back to the OG, and he does such a great job. And I this have book trouble with other books that don't have TGR. <laughs> oh yeah, it's tough. It's tough because I don't have to give yeah. him any direction. He's just brilliant, and um, you can tell because he just cares about the material and I, I understands it. And you can tell that he's comes from a similar appreciation of classics that I do and also some of the you know more modern stuff um I really want to do a co-event with him someday because it'd be so fun he's so brilliant that's awesome uh I'm not sure if you're gonna be able to answer this one but I thought it might be kind of fun is there anything in Lightbringer without spoiling that you're able like that you're really looking forward to seeing the fans react to 
like anything that you can kind of like no context spoiler tell us uh yeah uh, also one thing clang 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 <laughs> oh no clang, clang, that clang. sounds like a riddle clang 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 <laughs> It also reminds me of Christmas. Oh, it's it's a, it's a, it's a it's a fest. It's so fun. Clang clang clang. Yeah, I'll say clang clang clang. Um, okay, I can't wait to see what that means. Um, and the quiet moments. You know, this is really a book about relationships. Dark Age was about scale and scope, and while this book is huge, and you know, billions of kilometers are covered. It's mm-hmm. uh, about the core relationships that started the series. Love that. Um, one thing that we talk about often is just like how cinematic your writing style is at points, especially during action sequences. So we just wanted to ask you, like, how do you visualize that imagery and then translate it to the page during the writing process? And then Aaron wants to know. Oh, I wanted to know, do you act it out? <laughs> like, are you like... <laughs> Fighting with yourself, mm. like in the Cassiastero duel. No, but I write aloud in like a really bad Anthony Hopkins impression, <laughs> <laughs> which I didn't know I was doing for a long time until my roommate, who lives, in... so funny. <laughs> they say it's really soothing because they just hear me like through the walls, just talking. Like, yeah, yeah. That is uh, like, and they apparently think it's like because eh, it's it, it, you know it kind of sounds like. Brian Cox's Agamemnon or Anthony Hopkins, like, or mm-hmm. I don't know. I read it in a really, I write it in a really epic, ridiculous voice because I have noise canceling <laughs> headphones on that are just silent. So, uh, yeah. So uh, I don't act it out. No, uh, um, I'm very, I'm just a very visual person. I think. So uh, I try to have a unique way into each scene, each each battle. Each battle has to be different. Um. If they are similar, it's because I'm trying to draw like a parallel between experiences. And how does mm-hmm. Darrow line up for a spit tube? How does Lysander line up for a spit tube? Um, who shits their suit first? Who shits their suit first? <laughs> you know, do they shit their suit? Uh, yeah. So I kind of, I kind of just think about it. All right, a battle can't really exist for me unless it has a thematic. You know, you look at like a. You guys all know like the plot, the plot arc thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just, that's honestly just kind of talking about like tension. If we're really looking what we're analyzing, you know, they put it on an X Y graph, and it's like what it's time versus what tension, I guess. Like they don't really describe what the plot arc it really is. Mm-hmm. It just does that, right? So we're saying tension for that. But what I look at it is like um, um, I look at it as kind of like emotional. There, there's many different things on that X Y graph. It's all over. The X is always uh, time, um, but it's emotion. Of the character, uh, their themes, your exploration of their themes, and then also their fi- the physical excitement. So emotion, themes, and physical excitement. And so I feel like the best battle scenes interweave those. And so when you have a heightened tension point, or like you know, it's the intersection between all three points. Mm-hmm. And you don't even necessarily have to say it, but if you can make something thematic match up with an action beat, match up with a character emotional beat and a decision or something, that's what's really satisfying. So I try to get my <clears throat> my battle scenes, I'll try to get the physical beats out first, and my battle scenes are really sloppy, and then I'll weave in the rest of the stuff in the second draft. I love that's that. great. Does that make sense? 
yeah it does yeah and it's, it's i'm not a writer thinking about the battles sense. i can see you kind of doing that now like and that's i love that that's it, that's really awesome the emotional piece really makes you feel like you're in the battle yeah yeah well i mean think about like um you know uh the resolution found when darrow gave ragnar the razor in the mud but yes. they were in the mud because why because cassius knows them right because yeah. knows darrow mm-hmm. um and so then after that darrow does his stupid thing of chasing after the sovereign right and jumps on the craft and then doesn't let several come with because he's learned over the course of the book that he hates it when his friends die right yeah and so doesn't let several come with and then mm-hmm. jumps in there and shows his stupidity but then closes <laughs> an emotional arc with carnis albalona and cuts him in fucking half and then gets just and we get posted fiction. up by aja <laughs> yes. destroyed and then forces fitchner to have this emotional mm-hmm. reveal that he is aries and save Dara. amazing right like it's like all those things and that's so many plot lines coming in it together right right and it's very that's satisfying what, right it so makes it really satisfying and that's like that eventually is found in the third draft but you really try to find the physical action that's exciting something new and then that physical action has to re- represent the kind of like thematic and emotional action i think too love that fuck yeah <laughs> cool. all right we're gonna switch things up a little bit we're gonna get silly yeah, so we silly. have some we have some fun <laughs> questions but i mean you feel free to like talk about these as much as you want or mm-hmm. uh, or you can be a Last brief time if we you called want it to speed dating yeah and you can oh. also say skip <laughs> <laughs> fair enough i do it on my playlist so <laughs> that was a great playlist by the way oh you liked it new, good new favorite artist i added yeah. them to my sad girl summer mix uh, <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> okay. i love that you just got a jesus out of pierce that was awesome <laughs> okay Let's be more optimistic so. about the summer <laughs> just because you're an introvert doesn't mean you have to be pessimistic about the summer <laughs> I listen to that at work. My party mix is at work. All right. How much so, Lana Del Rey is on there? There is Lana Del Rey. Yeah, yeah. of course there is. Phoebe, there. Phoebe Bridgers. You know. Oh, God. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. So, are you worried that your new hobby, bouldering, right. will wear out your fingers and make it harder to type up Red God? No, they're making my fingers stronger. Definitely a lot Ooh. of like calluses, though. Nice. <laughs> Yeah, these crazy calluses. <laughs> and then how did you get into rock climbing, bouldering, or have you always been into it and you're new to filming it? Mm, I climbed rocks. Uh, I climbed, uh, I did rope stuff when I was a kid, rock, whatever that's called. Um, and I did that when I was a really young. Then I got bored when I got to the top because I like grass sports where you're beating people. Because um, <laughs> I played like soccer, football, lacrosse, and baseball. That was my jam. And... Um, I got into it because one of my buddies, uh, said, who's a director, he said it was like a great way to be very present and to be solving problems and to have an, a, like a healthy obsession. And mm-hmm. honestly, I, I played like uh, team, team kind of pickup sports here in LA and started getting hurt more. And when you're playing with other people, people cheat and cheap shot and get angry. <laughs> yeah. Guys. Pisses me off. Guys don't have often the healthiest forms of expression for their <laughs> pent up rage. Especially guys in rec leagues. <laughs> yeah. And so guys in rec yeah. leagues are cheap little bastards. <laughs> yeah, uh, and so I went up for a ball. I was, I was pretty, I was pretty, I was pretty great at flag football guys. Pretty great. <laughs> and I went up for a ball and I got my legs taken out uh, from behind. And I, and uh, years of playing like sports, I've never had a more awkward fall. 
landed flat on my back and I slipped a disc. And oh, that affected okay. my writing so much for like a year. Like I couldn't sit in a chair without feeling like I had a dagger in my back. And, you know, you just can't do the thing that affects your livelihood. So yeah. it yeah. sucks. I wish I could play like in rec leagues, but you just can't trust you that can't someone's trust, not going to just yeah. take you out from behind. Or or even like, you know, you're going to pull a hamstring, which then is like annoying. But now with bouldering, now I have like shoulder problems. So I don't know. <laughs> like, uh, you do people, rec? send me advice what to do when my shoulder feels like it has arthritis. Okay. Like, I have I have some supplements. Uh, I don't know if supplements, t- will, I don't know if supplements <laughs> will do it. Yesterday, I wanted to cut my shoulder off. It hurt so bad. I'm just. I'll just say it. Sammy is like a natural um, steroid that helps inflammation. Anyway, okay, it's yeah. a natural supplement. Text me that. And then, like, <laughs> other people send me stuff. I probably have like an instability in my shoulders because mm-hmm. me, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I, I got to do like exercises and, power- <laughs> and all this crap. Yeah. We anyway, I love, bouldering. Massage I love bouldering. I love bouldering because I can do it every morning. You know, massage, it's fine, but it's not fixing the problem because I, yeah. like, I'm a... I'm a masochist. I will like attack myself with the massage ball, like the like, not even massage ball, lacrosse ball. Not healing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, contraire, contraire. <laughs> I'm lengthening muscle tissue by compressing it. Okay. Um, yeah, but who knows? I don't know. I love bouldering. It's so fun. It's so hard. Um, you know, what's so cool is seeing how when you plateau, you got to figure out a way to get past the plateau. Um, and I really love problem solving like that. And so it's just something I can do every morning and really like look forward to. Nice. Sick. Yeah. Sick. Sick. <laughs> but I refuse to use the annoying terminology of bouldering. Oh, you Sorry, flashed that, was... bro. Oh, God, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Send it. Oh, God, what's your beta? Oh, no. I don't know what any of that means. Oh, and I'm glad man. that it's. Yeah. Uh, it just reminds it. me of like skateboard culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. okay. Sorry, guys. Question. I'm gonna be so mad about that. You're fine. <laughs> We're not skateboarding. Yeah. <laughs> We're inside people. Aside from uh, <laughs> aside from uh, cake stands, what's your go-to party trick? Cake stands. I can live upside down. <laughs> <laughs> I can literally do a cake stand for a minute. We that was a longer. very impressive we saw cake it. stand. The I only mean, cake stand I've ever done, I was like held up at a frat party and. Um, you know, when I said I went down, they didn't let me down. So yeah, I, I had PTSD. <laughs> you know, I think it's important to be extremely childish at times. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I feel as though we're, we're so many p- pressures on us to be an adult. Yes. And uh, take sense are fun. I haven't done one in years. It was great. So is that the, go- like, the go-to party trick? When I was younger, no, I used to do a 30 rack. So you walk in with a 30 rack of beer and you make it disappear without setting it down. Now we're talking yeah. about it. Yeah. Did you do the Edward 40 hands? Is that a Kansas thing? Oh, yeah. <laughs> we're just talking about 40 ounces here. A 30 rack is 30 beers. Yeah. yeah a 40 yeah. is nothing. I know, but you tape them to your hands so you can't yeah. pee or anything. <laughs> you said light work. Yes. A 30 <laughs> rack, you're puking and peeing in the bushes, okay? <laughs> <laughs> just be your pants <laughs> oh man you know so no uh my party tricks have definitely gone uh have definitely reformed quite a bit from mm-hmm. when i was like an infant to replay um uh but yeah i would say what else i do um i don't know i'm super I'm not, it's not a trick but i'm super into uh uh polaroid cameras and disposables and so i've been like you know for the last 12 years or so taking some fun photos so i always have like a disposable nice. camera do you have the party. album 
with the little uh, Ben's girlfriend has the Polaroid album where they like the small. Oh ones no, mine in are there. just you in like mine are in like big um, big uh, baskets in my house. So they're just like oh, no. yeah. parent style you know me i don't organize come on it's a good way to display them baskets of photos you can just like look through it yeah yeah yeah, it's really fun okay we need you to settle an argument this is a podcast argument this is between ben and i and we're both ferociously arguing was daxo's love for mustang platonic or romantic platonic fuck (laughs) bro bro, stop projecting like he's like a brother and he's like yeah. no he's in love with her he's almost beyond sexuality i think Daxo. yeah okay. he's very he's asexual. purely intellectual he's very asexual in my mind um okay. Okay. i just yeah, don't i've think, never been right i don't think he's very interested in it you know it's not part of my conception of him um cool. we really argued after dark age when he fought yeah. for oh yeah know, gave his life for her i was like it was it was like loyalty it wasn't romantic i think he yeah. believes i think he just believes in her purity he believes yeah. in her. He, like, I feel as though Daxo without it, Cavax, um, without Mustang, would be, he'd be on the other side. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but he's not even close to being on the other side because he like respects them so much. And so for me, it's more like, you know, how much would you pro- how much would you fight to protect Eden? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like something that is true and pure for you. I love that I was right. Thank oh, you. Well, we'll give you the hint that it was. Was it really that he fought? I thought it was strong? like that last look that he gave her, and like the way that she thought about it. I thought she was realizing, like, oh, mm-hmm. he's been in love with me the entire time. No, no, that's not what I was intending to portray. Okay, that's fair. A lot of stuff going on, man. <laughs> yeah. No. Okay, there's one other argument. No, we won't get into that one. What? Oh, I'm yeah. sorry. What? I'm not. I can't lose any more. No, no, yeah. no, guys, come on. <laughs> come on. <laughs> We're gonna ask. Uh, was the gray that Lyria saw in the garden was it holiday? I don't think. Yeah, I don't know if you can answer that one. Or is that has not come to fruition in um, Iron Gold? Yeah, r- remind me who she. Oh, she was talking to. Um, she was talking to Publius, or who was it again? It was She's someone. So- it was like whoever gave away the secret that Darrow. Lyria's in the garden. She sees a copper and a gray talking. Yeah, and we've we've speculated and then a bunch she about runs into who holiday right is. after that, which is why I thought yeah. it was holiday. Yeah, I can't say anything. Oh shit! <laughs> that makes Ben more right than me. I just can't clarify for you. It doesn't okay, make okay. it more right. You just can't clarify. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Pierce is on your the side. evil laugh. All right. No, it's totally um, neutral, bro. Totally neutral. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just joking. Leading the fist. Uh, last time we talked, you told us you were really into cooking. Mm. Have you cooked anything good lately? Yeah, I made um, a chicken piccata um, last night. It's one of my favorite things to make. Um, did that for a group of friends. That was really nice. We did that, oh, and um, before that, it was like you know a casual kind of like win- uh, uh, summer soup, like vegetable soup based on whatever I had in my fridge. Um, before that. Um, you're really chefing it up. Tilapia tacos. I love cooking. Like I really yeah. do. Mm-hmm. Do it all the time. Um, I find it like really nice because uh, you know, writing books is such a article of faith. And then you can be creative when you're cooking and uh, have your results in an hour, two hours. Yeah. And yeah. Eat it and be like, hmm, I am talented. <laughs> 
Cooking is yeah. a lot like what you said with uh, bouldering. It's like you're problem yeah. solving as you're going along. And... Problem solving also, yeah. like, you know, my love language is acts of service. So mm-hmm. that tracks. Nice. Is, is chicken piccata your go to dish then? Oh, no. I have like, I don't know, I'd say I have like 30 dishes that I like really. Oh, wow. Really, I just cook. Just, oh, my God. I cook a lot. Pierce Brown cookbook. <laughs> now we're talking. Your right. eighth book. <laughs> You know, when I was putting my when I was putting my website together, I was telling Joel Phillips like I wanted a section of what's cooking, and he's like, "What do you mean, like what's cooking, like in your professional career?" And I'm like, "No, what I'm or, or, said, or are you talking about like what you're cooking?" In which case, that's not interesting. And I felt a little sad, you know. <laughs> I would say I do have an extensive cookbook. Uh, a lot of it I just do from you know you do the recipes enough, um, you can do the variations. You know, along nice, the you way it out. like yeah like some and some of my stuff favorite stuff is really complicated and some of my favorite stuff is really basic like yeah. i make a mean sloppy joe sloppy joe is awesome love um, sloppy joes sloppy joes are so great right grew and up then, on sloppy joes yeah oh god aren't they so good same here They're the like, best yeah yeah kind of those potato those potato <laughs> buns like a yes. very midwestern dish for my family yes this yeah. is iowa and my weird. grandma made she, they called them made rights though <laughs> they're yeah. full enough that like half of it comes oh, out yeah. when you take your You're, first and then bite. you have to spoon it up afterwards. Oh, yeah. You gotta, yeah, that's the <laughs> yeah. best part. I'd say my like go to go to if I'm like if I know mm-hmm. a big week of writing's coming on, and this I often cook when I can't sleep because I find that books are sometimes hard to read when I have work and video games and movies and stuff often keep me up. So I'll just go cook like a couple meals and like put on an audiobook and that's like a great way to use energy. Yes. And yeah. so like if I have a big week of writing coming up or something, I'll usually do like a pasta bolognese of a sort. And put it in the fridge, or like, uh, um, a ro- like a, a roast. I really like the roasts, you know, the kind of French country stuff, like Julia Child's first cookbook <laughs> I had was a Julia Child's cookbook. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah. But you know, I certainly have made the full recipes where you're doing the cream fresh and all the stuff yourself, which takes like you know eight hours just to get the ingredients. But um, there's also a couple ones I've learned the shortcuts for because it just takes so much time. But uh, you know. Uh, Beef bourguignon is so good too. <laughs> I, we need to come to your house. You cook. I know. For us. You guys not cook? I do. Ben, ben yeah. cooks and oh, my husband too? cooks. Love but yeah. I just reap the benefits. It's definitely a hobby uh, that I am very. It's into. so fun, right, man? Yeah. And and, it, and you know, I love that host feeling of like yeah. take, of uh, sharing something, right? It's just yeah. so fun, especially. I'm an if, access service guy myself. Yeah. So yeah. right, it yeah. feels so satisfying. I'm really into. Man. Smoking meats. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Yep. Do you have a big green egg or do you have a smoker? I have a couple different smokers. I have like cool. a barrel smoker, a electric smoker. So what's the one John has with the bull? We got we have one smoker. at my house with yeah. bull horns on it. Yeah. Like oh, fun. So you can tell it it's through maximum pressure or whatever. Yeah. That's fun. Yeah. So I have the big green egg that I got from my dad a while. Like nice. oh my gosh, like fifteen years ago, and yeah. um, he never used it. So I was like, all right, those fine. are legit. Yeah. And dude. Smoking it, so I'm doing um, St. Louis style uh, ribs tomorrow. There you uh, go. Like, you know, it'll be great. Yeah. Very exciting. Yeah. Use Jack Daniels <laughs> chips, like sherry chips. What do you use? Oh, there you go. I'm an apple chips guy. Apple chips? Yeah. Cool. Yep. <laughs> Smoke boys. <laughs> I mean, I could talk like an hour with you about this. <laughs> we will be at HallerCon, so. I'm oh, sure you fantastic. won't have time. Yeah, because yeah. everyone will be like attacking you. Uh, probably. Uh, I was doing the math. I'm like, if they all attacked you, me for a minute, I'd be in trouble. <laughs> you need bodyguards. Yeah. Um. All right. So the cosplay competition at Hallercon is coming up, yeah. and I know there'll be a lot of golds. Is there? What's one other color that you would like to see that you probably haven't seen? Blues. 
Mm. I've seen a couple blues lately. It's very nice. fun. Very cool. Did they have the shaved head? Yep. Very cool. Nice. I haven't seen Dang. the blues. I haven't seen a blue either. That's yeah, it was at Phoenix Comic Con. Exactly. It was very startling. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was very startling. Contacts and everything. Um, digitats. Wow. Well, not moving digitats, but like yeah. tattoos. Um, yeah, it was very cool. All right. We got to find yeah. photos of that. Okay. We have one question. This one's very important. The dog from Deep Grave. Is he alive? Where, what like, to what's his whereabouts? <laughs> Tungless's dog. <laughs> or the out. warden's dog. I think they ran out of food, guys. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. We were wondering if he was dead. It's been it's been it, a few years. I'm, I'm not gonna lie, it's super distracting to keep a track of animals. Like it is yeah. I like Sophocles. You've already got Sophocles. No worries, Sophocles is enough in this one. There's just so many moving parts. And I was like, damn dog. Like, like what and it's also like, what's this dog do? Did that dog survive the attack like Darrow and Leo yeah. Alexander and Tungless launched, you know? Um I peed on the warden's I'm not gonna carpet. lie, I forgot about the dog. <laughs> Oh, poor puppy. I, and now I mean, you're just retroactively killed him dead, on the yeah. podcast. <laughs> yeah, so now <laughs> tongueless ate him. <laughs> wow, he has no oh, tongue. man. Goodness. It's a tough one. Okay, uh, we have a few minutes left. Do you ride horses with Blair? That's important yeah. to me. Yeah, occasionally. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, did more so as kid. We, we, we uh, started learning together. Um, she was English, I was Western. And then, uh, then I got into four wheelers more. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> but she, she always yeah. had that love of horses. So I did Western for a little while when I was younger. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, I sometimes trail ride and stuff. Um, okay. nowhere near a dressage performer like she is. But yeah. You, you seem to know a lot about horses when you were writing about Sunblood. So it felt like well, you knew horses. Well, I read a crap load about horses. Yeah. Like, yeah. and I read so much ancient, like, military history and, Things like that, um, and I'm fascinated by why you know they were they they were the car for four thousand yeah. years. You yeah. know? <laughs> <laughs> so I find them interesting. But Blair also helps. So like if I don't know something, I'll kind of like send, I'll ask her a question and stuff. And so she's helped to give like I'm, I'm still crap at naming hor- horses by color. You know, like a palfrey. I know what a palfrey sure. is, but you know it's it's Palomino. hard for me. Yeah, it's really hard for me to get the names uh, right mm-hmm. all the time. So Blair's really good at research for that. Nice. But I also have like brown books. siblings. Yeah, I also have like I have a book on horses around here somewhere. But then I have like books like this. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. I'm making up go. a. This is the Smithsonian's Guide to Animals. Yep. And so I'm, I'm concerned like, that you're on the snake page. You should be. <laughs> <laughs> While writing Red God. Oh, some weird shit happened today, guys. <laughs> Those are some nasty looking snakes. I used yeah. to be obsessed with those types of books. Oh man, they're so yeah. great. And I feel yeah. like those those books have re- they really give me a lot of like uh, imagination and knowledge at a young age. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I was just at a bookstore. I'm like, why am I not continuing to brush up on this? And yeah. so, so I find them very fascinating. That's awesome. Honestly, that's my favorite use of AI. I will ask AI questions. So I use AI as my Google search now. And oh, so, nice. Yeah. It summarizes it. <laughs> yeah. It's great. It's way more effective because Google has been so messed up by uh, greed. Paid ads and stuff. Greed. <laughs> um, <laughs> and they've screwed up their algorithm. And uh, because of that, uh, it's useless. Like you have to go through mm-hmm. so many paid ads. You have yeah. to go based on average link, how many people link to it, which 
Democracy. Or then you click on something and it's a whole blog post before you yeah. get to the answer. Oh, it's so dumb. It's so dumb. And then they want to make you click nine times to the article. You know, AI is just like, what, what, uh, the other day I was like, um, what is a, uh, what's that, uh, thing that scientists go through when they're going into a decontamination thing because of like, you know, diseases and stuff. And they're like an autoclave. And I'm like, oh, cool. And then they give me an exact like definition of it and stuff. And then I learned things. Nice. Yeah. I work with autoclaves at my job. <laughs> I first, I was at first hoping it was pronounced autoclave. <laughs> no, sorry you could you could say that if you autoclave <laughs> just tell tgr first. oh man for years i said chaos meaning chaos because i just read it at a young age and didn't know nice. what it means yep. yeah been yeah. there i have a real problem with the word genuine i always want to say genuine, genuine. well yeah, that's well, from you're, rap you're music culture buff, too man. <laughs> yeah you're, you're a man of taste <laughs> that's i get it <laughs> last okay. question last yeah. last speed round and then we'll get all right into the next. We'll get you out of here, yeah. Uh, do this you prefer Cassius with or without the beard? <laughs> this oh, is you'll personal see. to Ben. <laughs> oh, wow. That's exciting. All right. You'll see. Oh, man, there's some great Cassius jokes in this one. I think he's... <laughs> see, my favorite's Mustang. His favorite of all time is Cassius. Yeah. I mean, I adore Cassius. <laughs> like, Because you never should like Cassius as much as you do. Oh, Exactly. But it's it's, it's because you see like, <laughs> how hard a time he's having, you know? Yes. <laughs> Wait, I do feel bad for him. Right. I, I prefer the beard, but. um, I, You know, I prefer the beard overall, but um, there's some jokes about that in this. Nice. Uh, I will oh. tell you one. Like, basically, you know, <laughs> like, you know, several people in it only call him, like, the jaw or, like, the chin line. <laughs> nice. Yeah, the jawline. Or like the wayward chin, they call it. <laughs> uh, I'm also a fan of the beard, I would say. Yeah, there's some. There's yeah. a lot of funny stuff surrounding Cassius's beard and jawline in this one. Nice. Okay, so very last glad, thing. Glad to know the fandom is focusing on <laughs> yes. important things. Thank you. We, exactly. we know what to focus on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Very last thing. Uh, Aaron, do you know what time it is? What time it is? What are we into this week? Pierce, we have a segment on our podcast that's called What Are You Into This Week? Just like we can talk about anything, anything that you're into. TV show, book, music, podcast. Escalation snakes. <laughs> can you From tell us anything about book. them? <laughs> mm. uh, what am I into right now? Uh, uh, apparently physical therapy. Um <laughs> Let's see. Trying to make it honest one. <laughs> oh, um, uh, I'm going to try out a sea kayak I got. Oh, uh, a yeah. sea kayak. Yeah. So uh, hopefully I don't perish. If so. <laughs> we, we hope you don't. <laughs> if so, I've left instructions of what's to be done with the series. <laughs> Perfect. Can, can you try the sea kayak <laughs> after the tour? <laughs> no, no, no. This makes it way more exciting. Yes. <laughs> so I've been researching a lot about sea kayaking. And then I would say like in the arts or stuff like that side, um, not really any good shows. Not really. Uh, Sorry, really trying to think of this accurately. No, you're good. We can cut out the dead space. Yeah, you're going to cut out the dead space? Fantastic. <laughs> uh, we could say what we're into if that helps. Yeah, help. Help. Okay. I'm into Wet Leg. Have you heard of them? It's a British girl indie rock group. It's okay. two gals. 
Uh, they're really crude. Obviously, the name is Wet Leg. Sure. Um, they're great. I just love yeah. them so much. Better than Dry Leg. At least they're having fun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm I, Aaron went music, so I went music as well. Um, I'm into a band called The Nude Party. I've recommended. <laughs> These are both like yeah, dirty names. That's fun. Wow, a bunch of perverts, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I've recommended them before, but they've had they have a new album out called Rides On. Cool. And it's fantastic. The nude part. And we've seen them live. Yes, they're very yeah. fun. Uh Cherry Red Boots. Both that's of my these groups song. too are younger than us, so yeah. we're cool. Uh, I know, that is weird. <laughs> it's so, Everyone's so, younger always than weird. sports yeah. now, which is weird. <laughs> oh yeah. I have a friend who's like this full grown six four man with a beard and he's like twenty four. I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> Jesus, that's scary. I met the lead singer of the nude party once, and I was like, I I was like much older than him. And I was like, I feel weird about like, this. Shouldn't talk. To him. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you were gonna like offer him, and he's like, Yeah, okay, <laughs> dad. Yeah, it's like, okay, yeah. boomer. I need to move on. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, you know, music not so much. I'm really bad at remembering music. Um, we have a whole playlist of your. Uh, yeah, I have to put it down music. like that. Um, I haven't really had any epiphanies lately with music, but um, book-wise, uh, I was reading Christian Cameron's Tyrant, which I was really enjoying. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. okay. I, I'm Go into Christian Cameron's Tyrant about Canaeus of Athens. Um, Are we going to have a Canaeus and Red God now? That's a good name. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> I'm going to give you more A names. Uh, <laughs> yes, exactly. Great. That's what He'll be, his name will be Achaneus. <laughs> you're right. We're gonna have Achaneus. Yeah. Just not anus. Perfect. I was shortening it. Oh man. Have you guys ever seen have you guys ever seen Gentleman Broncos? No. Yes, I have. Oh yeah. my god. You know that scene? He's like, the key to making any great fantasy name is to an anus upon the last syllable yes. of every name. Timothy Timothy Anus. Now he's a fantasy character. No. Chad Anus. <laughs> Yeah, that's great. <laughs> Pierce Anus. Oh, no, that's geography. JK. Uh, got it. All well, right. thank you so much, Pierce. Yes, that's, no, that we... was it. We You've ran us out of questions. We We've really appreciate you stopping by. We've been by. great. We've had a fun time. You guys <laughs> yes. had a fun Can't time? We, you at HallerCon. We yeah. always oh have a great God. time. Uh, a lot of fun. Hopefully, Joel's knees uh, healed a little bit so we can walk around. Well, that was it, Hallers. I hope you enjoyed uh, next week, we will be back on the regularly scheduled programming. The Lightbringer Prediction Purge is still happening. We'll also kind of fold in some of our plans from the last episode for you as well, just a little bit. Uh, but yes, get us those Lightbringer predictions. It's the Lightbringer Prediction Purge. We're suspending all rational thought and the laws of podcasting. Bring us your best, your spiciest, and most batshit Lightbringer predictions. All predictions are legal for 60 minutes. that's a great alarm Um, so send us an email we've had we've we've received quite a few good ones yes send us an email or call our voicemail at 1-800-516-1540 brevity is is okay appreciated we we're okay with that we can get more people on the podcast that way that's the only reason so uh, do your worst, hold, hold your accolades. Yes. <laughs> we love you too. <laughs> and uh, don't forget to follow us, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Etsy. Email us, howlerpod at gmail.com. Send that prediction purge. Give us a call at 1-800-516-1540. 
Send in that voicemail. Send in your prediction. Uh, let us know if you'll be at HowlerCon. And rate and review us five stars only. If you don't give us five stars only, then when uh, Pierce Brown's family cookbook comes out, we'll steal it from you. <laughs> I'll just steal it. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Howlers. Omnisphere lupus. Oh!